1: Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're speaking with some demonologists. Just before we get into that, though, I just want to say, if you enjoy this episode or any of the previous episodes of the podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you use. If you also want to leave us a review, that really helps as well. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Definitely jump on Instagram. I put up some sort of bonus kind of content sometimes, and you sometimes know what episodes are prior to what's kind of going on. I ask for suggestions and so on, so there's a really good way to kind of interact there. We also have a blog which is ParanormalThoughtsPodcast.wordpress.com and of course we're on Patreon and you definitely want to go check out our Patreon uh, after you listen to this episode because you're going to hear some really great extra little bits of content. I'm going to go a little more into this later in the episode but put it like this, you're going to get a full-length demonic possession story so you're not going to want to miss out on that. Jump onto our Patreon which is Thoughts Podcast at Patreon. I've been wanting to do this episode for probably the last two years. I did an episode a long time ago about demons and It really got my interest kind of spiked and I really wanted to speak to some people who literally spend their time researching demons. That's what demonology is, right? And I thought I'd just speak with one person and kind of get their... Understanding, but uh, when I put the word out, I kind of had a lot of different people get back to me. So I thought, well, why speak to one when we could speak to three? So the three voices you're going to be hearing today are Sean, Annie, and Corey. Sean is a demonologist and Satanist from California, Corey is from Ohio, and he currently has no religious background. And there is Annie, who is also from California, who is a demonologist and Catholic. So three very different walks of life, three very sort of differing opinions, but also you'll find they have a lot in common as well. I definitely learned a lot from this episode and... At the end, I'll kind of go into a little bit of what I sort of learned and can kind of unpack that a little bit more. But I just want you guys to hear what these three very interesting people have to say because I learn a lot and it's really gotten my interests going and it's just exciting. I, I love learning more and more about uh, these sort of taboo topics and so on because demonology is definitely right up there within the paranormal of like this is odd. You know, a lot of people don't even believe in it to begin with. But um, any sort of... Any sort of issue I had with the topic from just not understanding has been completely dismissed after speaking with these three people. So I really hope you get something out of this podcast. Let's get into the episode. Sean, Annie, Corey, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Paranormal Thoughts podcast today and educate us all on demonology. So let's just get straight into it. Sean, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, um, I'm a Californian. Uh, My favorite soda is root beer. I like '80s rock music. I've been a Satanist since I was 15. I was raised Catholic and didn't like God much. Preferred Satan, so became a Satanist. Studied demonology. Hold on a sec. I have here my demonology. I've logged 115 demons with little bullets under them under their names. Yeah.
1: How did your family take to you becoming a Satanist at the age of 15?
0: They were not cool. That initially, my mom cried a lot about how she regretted not raising me to be a better Catholic. And my dad originally thought this was just a phase. And when he saw that it obviously wasn't a phase, he was very, um, concerned. He was also upset. Same as my mom. But by that time, my mom was kind of okay with it because she saw that I'm still a good person. She just assumed that a Satanist couldn't be a good person. But once she saw that I was still a good person, she didn't really mind so much. It was, so from that point on, it was my dad who was the one who didn't like me being a Satanist.
1: Yeah, well, I guess there is definitely some stigma around Satanists, isn't there?
0: Oh, yeah. In a in a world where God is seen as the good guy almost universally, even amongst people who don't believe in God, they might say that if God were real, he'd be the good guy. There's There's just a prevalent idea that God is the good guy, and therefore Satan must be the bad guy if they're enemies, so... Yeah, it makes sense there'd be a stigma.
1: All right, Annie, same question to you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: I am a pre-med student from California. I'm 26 years old. I realize I'm a little bit of a an older person to be a pre-med student. I became physically disabled when I was 18, and it's taken quite a few years to get diagnosed and get on the right treatment regimen. So I'm really just able to be a functional person in the last year or so here.
1: Oh, it's wow, really full on. I'm uh, sorry to hear about
3: that. It's cool. I've got um, CRPS and uh, mixed active tissue disease. So it's a combination of lupus and RA and a couple of other uh, autoimmune diseases all bunched into one.
1: Yeah. Wow. I'm glad to hear things are starting to pick up for you, Annie.
2: And last but not least, Corey. I pretty much, besides studying demons for the past 11 years now, I work with demons and try to give people that knowledge and show them that demons aren't as bad as what people claim they are. And then the spiritualistic-wise, I do readings for people or readings. I make oils up for people to help them better themselves, healthy lifestyles, and stuff like that. Um, the demonologist part, I lived in an old house when I was 16, and that was my first ever negative encounter. And ever since that time I encountered it, I wanted to know more. It like intrigued me. And it did mess my mind up for a while. I still think of that house till this day. And I just want to know why they do what they do. But then after a couple years, I realized... Demons and negatives are totally different beings completely. Now, the spiritualistic part, I started that a couple of years ago because my medium I do have on my team, she got me to this spiritualistic part. It helps myself, helps other people.
1: That's awesome, Corey. I love that it's benefiting you because you have such an interest and knowledge for this, but then you're also passing that on to other people and helping them with all of your sort of remedies and so on and rituals that you can kind of perform. I got to know, what were some of the events that were going on in that house that you just mentioned?
2: <sighs> I'm going to say a couple things. I will start off with when me and my old friend, I'm not going to say his name, but when me and my old best friend, we wanted to stay up in the attic, to see exactly what was going to happen. And about a half hour into it, we started seeing shadow figures just bolt across like five to 10 of them at a time, like just bolt in. And our anxiety went up. I couldn't speak. He couldn't speak. And then out of nowhere, we got like this fear into us out of nowhere. We bolted down the steps. We left the lights on and everything. The next morning we went up there. The bed was moved. Chips were scattered everywhere pop was scattered only thing that weren't touched was the phone chargers a couple months after that that's when i got my first mark of trinity scratches the three scratch marks mark of trinity that was what got me the most was those marks and it was right behind my ear
1: wow that is pretty full on (laughs) not gonna lie wow that's definitely you can see how that sort of springboarded you into where what you're currently doing and your whole sort of lifestyle now, but wow. Uh Yeah, shadow figures and even the fact that the bed moved and so on, like that's, that's definitely pretty insane. Sean, I want to ask you, how did you get into demonology?
0: The demonology happened when I was around 20. You see, for the first five years, I didn't really pay attention at all to magic or demonology or anything. I really just wanted to be free from God. And it wasn't until I was 20, I saw this, uh, um, Jim Gaffigan was on the late show with Stephen Colbert and they were both Catholic and they were both talking about all these saints they knew. And I was like, man, I want to know all that, but like the Satanist equivalent. And I guess the Satanist equivalent of saints would be, well, the closest thing to it would be demons. So I just studied up demonology. I wanted to know my stuff and I'm glad I did. There's a lot of really cool stories about demons as has such a cool story. So as is, a cambion a cambion is someone who's half human half demon his mother was a demoness named agrat batmalat who seduced his father king david of israel and so yeah there's a demon who is the son of king david of israel and uh he's the firstborn of king david of israel so asmodeus is the true king of israel i'd say so it had to be a Kind of insulting when King Solomon got the throne, and then to add insult to injury, King Solomon enslaved demons to build his temple. And one of the demons he tried to enslave was Asmodeus, but Asmodeus outsmarted King Solomon. Which, if you read the story, is pretty easy because King Solomon seems pretty dumb. So Asmodeus said, I have all kinds of power, I'll release these restraints, and I'll show you my power. And like an idiot. Solomon released the restraints and Asmodeus threw him 400 leagues away from Jerusalem and then pretended to be King Solomon until he returned. During this time, Asmodeus had a lot of sex with King Solomon's wife and only left after the real King Solomon showed up and retook his throne. So, yeah, ain't that a cool story?
1: Yeah, I'm really interested in the whole biblical side of demons and how they're just constantly referenced. And I guess that's what we sort of understand a demon to be, to fit into this religious kind of placement. But um, we're definitely going to get into that a little later on as well in the podcast. But uh, I want to go to you now, Annie, and I want to know how did you get into demonology?
3: By complete and total accident. I, uh, I was actually, for about 10 years, even though I was raised Roman Catholic, you know, I'd go, but it never really resonated with me as anything more than a history lesson. And then when I found out when I was about 16 that I wanted to do science as my career and I was passionate about it, I adopted not just the studies, but, you know, kind of the mindset of that community. And part of that was I found out that I didn't have to mess with the religion thing at all. So for a long, long time, I just would have nothing to do with it. I would get in arguments against people that think the way I think now to the point that my family members would have to be like, OK, it's Thanksgiving. You need to not start a debate about this. I played with a Ouija board when I was about 11 years old at a slumber party. And, you know, I'm 26 now, so it's 15 years ago. And there wasn't you can just do a Google search and find out about the dangers of that or experiences people have had. So even though my dad's uh, very Catholic, my mom just got it for us as a fun thing. We used it unsupervised. We didn't look at the instructions. We just opened it up and, you know, we were kids and we're laughing and joking around and uh, we didn't close it out. And that sat there for many, many years. And the night that we used it, nothing happened. And then slowly in about eight, nine years after that, things really started to pick up. Eventually, it was stuff that was so obvious, I um, couldn't tell myself I wasn't observing things anymore. And then I spent quite some time going through a full battery of uh, tests, making sure there was nothing wrong with my mind or my nervous system or my body that would result in uh, me st- experiencing the things I was experiencing and seeing the things I was seeing. And eventually uh, this great neuropsychiatrist that I was already seeing for um, cognitive behavioral can be used sometimes in the treatment of chronic pain to try to teach patients not to have an emotional relationship with their suffering. And so I was already seeing him and I started talking to him about it. And we went through this whole list of stuff that I was scared I had and ruled it out and finally sat me down and told me you might have to accept that you've actually experienced something and let me know it was okay. And he actually had two at different points in his life.
1: Okay, that's interesting that you actually were able to seek out some medical help to actually see if what you were experiencing was actually happening to you. I guess the thing too, of you playing with a Ouija board and nothing happening for quite some time, I guess it could be related to the Ouija board, but it also could be something else you've sort of picked up over time as well. Obviously, it's kind of hard to know specifically, but what were some of the things that you were experiencing once the activity started to pick up?
3: It was lights flickering, objects disappearing. I would turn around to do something for just a few seconds and I'd turn back and things would be moved. The biggest things that I saw, honestly, were uh, I was with someone who wasn't very good to me. And on three separate occasions, they would go to harm me and then all of a sudden, and this is a person that I know wasn't on drugs because they were very, very afraid of drugs due to having a family history of addiction. They very much wanted to avoid taking anything and they go to harm me. And then all of a sudden they would go completely blank and harm themselves instead. One time, uh, They cut themselves so badly they ended up in the hospital and they had to have stitches. Another time they put their own head through a wall. Uh, Another time I saw them crawling around on my parents' bedroom floor talking in this vacant voice that didn't sound like them and they just went running out uh, into the middle of the night. Then when I asked them about it, they did not remember doing that and at the time i thought they were just lying but um you know in conjunction with everything else it would seem to suggest there's a bit more to it
1: yeah okay it definitely sounds like some sort of influence or even possession potentially over that friend at that point of time
3: what finally got my attention was that i was on youtube back in 2017 And I went to click on a completely unrelated story time and got taken to a video about uh, Zozo the demon. And uh, it just started rattling off all these, you know, if this is happening or, you know, if you've done this. then. And after that, I had electronics start malfunctioning. It's multiple devices, newer devices across multiple platforms and apps. So it, at that point, even my ass had to admit maybe something was up.
1: I want to ask all of you, what is a demon? This has always been my issue with demonic entities and so on because I'm not a religious person at all. I've spoken about that at quite some lengths on this podcast, but I think they come up time time again throughout religion. So from a basic kind of, you know, looking through the window, I suppose, into this whole topic, If you don't fit in with those sort of religious beliefs then do these things exist so i'm so curious to hear how you guys can kind of break down exactly what these entities are
0: a demon is either an angel who rebelled against god or someone who's related to the original angels who rebelled against god because asmodeus isn't one of the original angels to rebel against god he's a he was born Way after, but he's still a demon because he's related to demons who rebelled against God. So, therefore, he's a demon. So, a demon is either an angel who rebelled against God or someone related to them. In their original form, demons, just like angels, are incorporeal. They don't have bodies. But when they come into the physical realm here on earth, they create a body out of the elements around them. They could create it out of dirt, out of air, out of anything. They can just make a body out of rocks and dirt and tree bark, I guess. But sometimes they come in their true form and a human mind cannot really perceive an incorporeal being. So we just see them as concepts, which is why whenever people see demons or see angels, they always look wildly incomprehensible. Like there's the that angel that that's like, like a series of rings with eyes all over it with a baby in the middle. And then there's like, demons who look like spiders with three heads and like one of them has a crown and the and then there's a demon named salios who rides an alligator like that just sounds more like florida man than a demon
3: (laughs) my understanding is a demon is sentient energy Uh, when you i used to study physics before i studied medicine Uh, when you have the brain uh it's just charged particles moving and there's a, a magnetic field that's in a relationship to that and i understand it's a very specific pattern to create sentience but at the same time, if it can happen on this little rock on the very fringe of a galaxy, it seems like the, not, the laws of nature would facilitate that formulating elsewhere. And while it might not be in a literal sense, other things that these energies have traditionally been attributed to, like planets that um, don't yet have solid cores, also have those attributes where they'll have the charged particles and they'll have the magnetic field. So it doesn't seem so far-fetched to me. That could get going in some capacity elsewhere. Uh, I do follow the framework of an Abrahamic faith. It's what I was raised in. So my speculation right now is that 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 sentience is a thought form of. Uh, what we refer to as God. Okay.
1: I like what you're saying there, Annie, rather than I suppose demons sort of fitting into scripture per se, it's a little more maybe scientific and they're another type of entity who live amongst us. You know, like we're here, uh, extraterrestrials, uh, you know, wherever and so on. And it's, it's this other type of being living sort of amongst us. And as you said, it could be somewhat sort of tied into God or what kind of have you, but I'm starting to see what you can say that it's a sort of thought of consciousness that we could potentially be just coexisting with.
3: I can't for the life of me right now work out if it's truly that there was one entity that generated all these others. It's the framework I'm working with now, but from some of the stuff I've learned, to me, it also seems possible that maybe that's not true and they're more equal than... these monotheistic systems would suggest, and for whatever reason, uh, humans have taken to this one particular energy over the others.
2: Mm, Well, Corey, what's a demon to you? To me, since I've, when I was younger, like I said, I thought demons were bad. But now, I've been working with them for like four or five years now, straight, multiple different ones. But what a demon means to me is they're like human beings pretty much. They're not exactly human, no. But they're like human beings. 90% of them, they just want that respect. They want they want they want the truth out there, what they really are. They're not in here to do bad. They're not in here to harm somebody, possess somebody. They just want their knowledge out into the world of what they know from millions and billions of years being in the underworld. They just want the respect. They want to be treated like how you want to be treated pretty much. They changed my life like completely. I I was having literally nothing. I was ready to commit suicide. I was almost homeless and I started working with them and The things they told me, it was just amazing and it turned my whole life around.
1: Now, it's really interesting once you started researching demons and I suppose making contact with them that it's completely turned your life around. You know, here you were really out on your luck and then something that's perceived to be so negative and evil actually saved you.
2: Yeah. I honestly didn't expect it to go like that. But like you said, it was a meaningful impact. It changed how you look and how you think. Yes, when you actually like, let's say my one my one client I had, I did a ritual for him, a wealth ritual. And some demons, before they actually start helping you get up there, they want to make you fall a little bit to see if you're going to push your own self in the process. And if they see you pushing your own self, they'll help you along the way and push you up there drastically. They just don't want to sit there and have you be lazy and give you all the work for nothing.
1: That makes sense because I feel like the way you're explaining it, Corey, is that they're very similar to us. You know, humans are very selfish. It's kind of we sort of have to be because, you know, at the end of the day you got to put yourself first if you want to succeed and so on, as well as, you know, looking out for others around you. But really you have to be number one in order to – excel and so on. But um, the fact that you're saying demons are kind of like that, well, then why are they going to help you if you kind of don't help them? Or maybe they will help you, but if you're not going to help yourself, no one really wants to invest any time into you whatsoever. So I think that's very interesting, Corey. I feel like that's three different, from all of you, three different uh, versions, but all kind of similar in the sense of they're these beings that kind of live amongst us, I would say, and not necessarily too dissimilar from us, but obviously a lot older a lot more wiser, and a lot more powerful.
2: Exactly. Yes, exactly.
1: All right. So here's the next question that everyone was waiting to hear. Everyone's expecting this one. Demonic possession. What are our thoughts on that? What exactly potentially is it? Is it even a thing? You know, it's definitely comes up time and time again in sort of, you know, pop culture and... It's such a feared thing. And I've spoken to people who believe they've witnessed it. I've spoken to people who don't believe in it. I've spoken to people who, you know, do exorcisms through Reiki and so on. There's I I sort of have a lot of knowledge on this kind of topic, but I'm I'm very curious about what you guys all think.
3: I would say if someone truly believes they are possessed, in the time that they are themselves, they need to get to someone they trust and make it very clear over Silly they might feel. Very clear what's going on with them. I do think these beings still want to be part of this world. There's a lot of documentation that that's the case. I don't think they'll go after just anyone. I do think there might be some instances in which people offer and then don't deliver, which might lead to these scenarios where um, they'll try to get a hold of what they believe they're owed. But um, I've also seen that when demon do this, again, they have to try so hard to even just like for an evocation where they're bringing the spirit into the environment. They have to try so hard to get the energy into their body. And there's a particular meditative state they have to be in for it to work. Sometimes it's multiple people trying to facilitate this. So while I don't doubt that there are some cases where you might have a being that's latched on, I think in a lot of cases, it might simply be an instance in which, you know, I don't want to say the person's exaggerating the lack of control. I certainly believe that happens. But what I've observed is that a person might be less unconscious and more have their emotional state influenced. And I would think that there would be times that people would be concerned to express it as that as opposed to a total lack of awareness. Though I do also believe that because of that emotional influence, it seems perfectly plausible they'd be capable of inducing fight or flight to the point of dissociation. As far as exorcism, I think... That can help. I'm not, to be honest, I still don't feel like I understand how that works. I don't see humans as having a lot of power uh, as compared to something that's so knowledgeable and has been here for such a long time. Sometimes I think just the effort shown to make it stop will get them to choose to stop. Sometimes I do think if you make it very annoying for them to be there, that might be helpful.
1: I see exactly what you're saying there. These demonic entities being so much wiser and so powerful that, you know, what's a priest got really to fight something like that with, you know, saying some prayers or some, you know, some holy water. I don't think it almost seems it seems too simple, doesn't it? It seems like fiction right? It seems very like, yes, this, we can fight these things with the power of God. But as you just said at the end there, potentially that is the case, but maybe it's more so that it's actually an annoyance. If something has decided to take a hold of you, which from what I'm sort of gathering is very rare for something to either influence you or actually take full kind of control over you. It doesn't seem that's what demons are that interested in, but if that particular entity is and so be it. And uh, but I suppose if that's their purpose is to take over you and to manipulate you, you know, if they want to go out doing drugs and drink and having sex and so on, if you're stuck in a bed... Uh, with a priest praying over you for 12 hours a day, you're going to be like, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. It it, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. Why would you just want to make someone miserable and bedridden? Because they're they're just literally sitting in that too. Potentially, that that might not be the case, but that, that seems to make sense for me, especially if we're looking at these entities as being more so like us. We want to go have fun, you know what I mean? We don't really want to sit in misery for the most part. Some people do, but for the most part, that's not how we sort of work, is it? But in saying that, maybe the church do have power over these entities and so on. You know, I definitely wouldn't rule that out either. You know, there's a lot of uh, evidence is probably not a word I would use there, uh, but there are a lot of there's a lot of documentation of Catholic priests and so on exercising people. Um, but then, you know, I've spoken to if you've listened to this, episode, this podcast before, the Long Island exorcist uh, multiple times now, and he uses Reiki and sort of positive energy to. Exercise people, and that makes way more sense than some prayers and you know holy water and so on to me. But that's just because I think I I I, I really pigeonhole religion over in this corner over here. I'm like oh, that that can't really relate too heavily in my belief and just how the paranormal
2: kind of seems to work in my opinion. Uh, Corey, what are your thoughts? I haven't done any exorcisms. I haven't needed to now, but for possession wise. I've been possessed. Negative, they'll possess you no matter what. They don't care who you are. They don't care if you're a priest. If they want to possess you, they're going to possess you either way. And for demons, that 90% that's not wrecking havoc for no reason, they, they don't go against your free will. So they will not possess you unless you actually let them into you to possess you. Even when that does happen, you still have control over your mind in your arms and body movements, your words, unless you let them speak out. That's my point of view on that. But when I was possessed, I had that negative entity in me. And I couldn't control nothing.
1: Now, I'm sure you all want to hear this fascinating retelling of Corey being possessed. And you can. You can hear it right now. If you jump over onto our Patreon, it's $5 a month and you get exclusive content just like this, hearing from a demonologist who was possessed some years ago and how he overcame that and the exorcism that he had to go through. So honestly, you're not going to want to miss this. And in every episode that I put up you're going to get a little bit of bonus content. So for $5 a month, you can jump on there and you can get bonus content just like this. Link is in the description of this podcast.
3: Selling a little or a lot?
0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so
4: much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit Yahoo The number one financial destination. Yahoo Finance Sean, how do you make contact
0: with demons? Well, research your demon. Learn about your demon. Learn what your demon likes and then offer whatever it is that this demon likes to them. And uh, the way you do that is you draw their sigil. You can just draw it on a napkin or something, whatever. And uh, then um, have, be it food or oils or whatever the demon likes, and and uh, talk to the demon and say, hey, I have an offering for you. And... Preferably speak Enochian as you do it, because that's the language of angels and demons. And I, I don't know much Enochian, but I know a little. I know Eurgelizondabazgim uh, means how's your day? Yeah, that's, that's the basic one that everyone knows, because it that's the one that translates best into a speakable language by humans. Each demon, entity, spirit.
2: Demon is a spirit to me, entity. I don't like to call them demons per se. They're more like entities and spirits. But when you first try to get into it, yes, you have to have your altar set up for the invocation or evocation, whatever you're doing. I really don't like to do evocations because it's kind of dragging them into, without their own free will, you're going against their free will if you want to do evocation. So you invoke them, like invite them in. That's being more respective. So once you get your area all set up, your altar, your candles, their favorite candles, their favorite incense, their offerings. Have you ever heard of N's before? No, I can't say I have. N is pretty much like their mantra pretty much. And you, you you can say it up to 108 times. After that 108 times, you can either, if they don't show up, then you can set the whole ritual down. But you say their mantra 108 times, their ends, and just keep repeating that to yourself. Then you put, prick your finger with a lancet or some type of bloodletting device. And then you put it on their sigil that is used to invoke them up, whatever you're doing. And that charges a sigil up when you're like gazing into it. And once that sigil starts like, flashing, going in and coming out. It's like a trans situation. And I have to do those. For me, it works 98% of the time. If you can't see them literally, if you're, um, your abilities aren't open, like your chakra systems, your third eye, crown chakra, so on and so forth. If those aren't open, you ain't going to be really able to hear or see them, but you can feel them behind you. And that feeling of them being behind you when you first experience it, it freaks you out. Your anxiety goes up, but you have to stay calm. You can't freak out or, they, or that said entity can leave. And that's pretty much showing, in my eyes, in my own opinion, that's showing them disrespect because you're fearing them even though you tried to conjure them up. It can take up to like usually 10 to 25 minutes to even conjure one up. Unless you have like a very close relationship to them and you guys already know each other in your energies, then it's like usually about five to 10 minutes, give or take.
3: These people are amazingly meticulous. And there's a whole thing where you have to bathe a particular way and you cleanse the energy and you need, you know, a circle cast just to keep parasitic entities out. And then you need... To pull so much energy in um, through offerings, through fire in the space, through facing the right direction or having the right time of day, trying to get the entity's energy as close as possible before you even try to do anything. Now, I've done it and it worked. Um, And I can attest to the fact that in a few minutes I was so exhausted I could barely keep my eyes open. Um, my understanding is they seem to interface with our nervous system for the simple fact of the way humans communicate. It's really reliant upon matter. I mean, even when we speak and we don't think about that as being matter, but we're vibrating the particles in the air. So with these guys, they don't have any matter. And so they're needing to interact another way. And it's absolutely exhausting. It uses up a lot of energy from what i can discern
1: annie is there any particular entities that you've made contact with
3: first it was um i was working with the demon olator to make absolutely sure that what i had was zozo and not a lower level energy imitating him so the first entity i ever ended up summoning wasn't a legion of 15 high-ranking demons that were primarily goetic although you've got uh Hakati is Greek and Pazuzu is uh, Mesopotamian, but um, it was exhausting. I'm just
1: going to stop you there, Annie. So you just mentioned Zozo.
3: Now, I'm sure a lot of people
1: at home listening have probably heard of Zozo. And my understanding is, you know, you have your Ouija board. And if the planchette starts moving from Z to O, Z to O, backs and forwards, that's spelling out Zozo. You know, all you got to do is jump online and watch some Ouija board um, videos and so on and zozo is very feared i would say but i'm not re- but what, who is zozo does it even exist i've heard claims that it actually doesn't it's, you, you've obviously just mentioned there that you thought you were talking to zozo so i want to know uh, the room's opinion on who is zozo
3: the one that really seems to stick out in popular culture right now is the paranormal scholar video on uh, why zozo's an urban legend my experience has been because my my mentor and I did go around to the other entities within the Legion and ask them, and uh, they confirmed that they were part of it. But I also noticed that their data was a bit cherry-picked. For example, they talk about, well, it's not really Zozo, it's Zozo, and it's a Saturnian symbol. However, that's not correct. The way Zozo is being used here is ancient Basque for crow or blackbird, and um When you look into the entity that's associated with, that's back to Belial because it denotes intelligence as he was the individual that allegedly manipulated Lucifer into his fault. But yeah, so that's my understanding. And my experience has been, yes, this is a group of entities that date back thousands and thousands of years.
1: Okay, so it's more of a group of entities going under this one name. Uh, Corey, do you want to add anything?
2: I cover this a lot on my page, actually. The past... Week. I've mentioned them like multiple times, but in my ordeal, Zozo is more of a um, man-made demon of a Mexican folklore. So, and you know how Mexican folklore is, it's all, it's like, they're very superstitious. They started saying Zozo is going to come out, Zozo this, Zozo that. And those, all that fear and all that fear goes into the astral world. So after certain many times, this entity just said, screw it, I'm going to take over the Zozo name. And that's exactly how he was made. Zozo entity took over that name. And since all those myths came out of being fear, anxiety, saying he's going to possess you, throw things, put activity, pretty much. Those are his orders from what got put out into the astral world. So that's his only way to survive. So if nobody ever thought fear or negativity using the board or even thought about him, Zozo wouldn't even be here no more. But all those superstitions is what brought him up.
1: Yeah, okay, interesting. Differing opinions, which I really like. Obviously, this being's very well-known, but also extremely unknown. So it makes a lot of sense that everyone's going to have a different sort of understanding and different experiences and so on, you know. And I guess the thing with demons, uh, you don't necessarily know exactly who you're speaking with. Someone could very much so go under an alias or what kind of have you. But I thought it was interesting there, Corey, you mentioned um, the idea of being frightened or having that fear while using the board is what sort of manifests this particular entity. Uh, And Sean, have you got anything to add uh, on the topic of Zozo?
0: Well, I don't believe in Zozo. Yeah, okay. But if he is real, I don't think he's – maybe he's a demon. Maybe he's just a ghost. Maybe he's not real at all. But nothing about Zozo comes from um, any of the other sources on demons. Like usually when you read about demons, you read the Lesser Key of Solomon, the, the Testament of Solomon, the, uh, um, the Kabbalah, the Talmud, the um and also the Book of Enoch. These are all usually written by like people who – who don't like demons, they're usually Christians or Jews writing about demons and in a negative way, but you can still get a good story from these writings. Like how you can get a good story about the Gauls from Caesar, even though he's writing negatively about them. Like even a writing from someone's enemies can tell you a lot of stuff about them, but none of those writings include Zozo. So I don't think Zozo is in any way affiliated with the demons. I think he might just be an evil spirit or maybe he doesn't exist at all. I mean, he could be a demon. I don't know. But if he is, the um the people who wrote about demons never wrote about him. So I'm suspect to be skeptical about Zozo's affiliation with demons.
1: And that totally makes sense with your belief system, Sean. I'm sure a lot of people sort of gathered you're very into the biblical kind of side of this topic, so if the you know the sources that you use which mention demons have mentioned this particular entity, then I suppose it isn't on your radar at all. How much is religion a part of a demon's existence? Is it something that goes hand in hand or is it adopted over time? Is it something that we perceive? What are your thoughts?
2: I, it's more of a, I would say, a misguided situation because it all started off... Before I even say this, I'm not dissing any Christianity, religions, or nothing like that. You guys are going to believe what you want to believe. But it's more a misguided situation because the Christians, the Jewish, they always think darker just bad for you. And that's where it all started. That's when the media got involved like years and years later and started going off of what the religions say saying the dark is bad for you. To me, light and dark makes gray. Everything's gray. There's going to be good in the bad side, and there's going to be bad in the good side no matter what. It has to be balanced. It can't be more than one. So it's more of a misguided situation where it all equals up in the middle and make a gray color because there's nobody that's pure good, and there's nobody that's pure... Well, there's a lot of pure evil people out there, but... I think you understand what I'm saying now.
3: The important thing to remember with these beings is that they are as sentience, as full and complex as any human. And um, they all have different personalities and different values, different things that they value. For myself, I really believe in free will and... You know, I'm kind of a small government yahoo. I uh, will power over everything. So it just depends on the individual fit.
1: Yeah. So I guess from those answers, I'm not sure if I'm really any closer in fully understanding how connected it is. But I suppose we don't fully know. I think there is some historical aspects to demons and, you know, angels and so on throughout history, written in scripture and so on. But I suppose maybe at one point there was more emphasis on it and now, you know, less and less people kind of, you know, follow maybe traditional kind of religion and believe and so on. But I think the way that I'm coming away from this is whether or not they are caught up in all of that, and you know, if there is a Satan, there is a God, there's a heaven and hell, you know, whether all those things are even actually connected, we just perceive them to be. I think my understanding is these beings are are very, a very much so living amongst us. You know, I would lump them kind of into that sort of spiritual world where you have your sort of ghost poltergeist. Um, and, you know, maybe even your negative type of entities might be demons, might not be, because obviously from what we've kind of gathered here today, most of them aren't bad. they just kind of doing their own thing. But I suppose it's this other entity that can sort of be lumped into that and I guess without the proper skills to identify what you're exactly dealing with, you might perceive it as something else or literally as, you know, modern cinema does today, thinks that everything is demonic. And I suppose what we've sort of gotten out of today is that uh, demonic isn't quite what we think it is, in my opinion. I've got another question for you, Corey. You're obviously very deep into this. You're currently trying to make a living out of being a demonologist, spiritualist and so on. And I want to know what what do these entities sound like and look like when you deal with them?
2: Well, each demon has their own... They show they show themselves to different people in different ways. Take Lucifer, for example. He showed me as his fallen angel aspect before, the first time I've ever conjured him up. Then the second time, those wings were gone. And it was him with black sleek hair, sleek back, um, pale white skin reddish yellow eyes and his voice was like you could tell he was being respectful but the way he spoke it was like a stern deep voice and it caught you off guard those are the two ways lucifer showed me and that's just a male fallen angel now like take lilith for example which i'm pretty sure you heard of lilith before um she showed me as her naked form like pure blown naked she showed me as more of a angelic type being, if you want to say. So people get different types of visions of what they want to show you. So it's that question's kind of in the air a little bit because you never know what you're gonna get. So
1: as you just said there, you're seeing these entities as visions. So. Have you ever been in the position where this entity or entities have been physically in the room with you, where you can see them with your own eyes?
2: Well, being in the room with you, I've seen that happen before. And I, by a couple other people in myself, including my one old house I lived in when I conjured Pazuzu up, actually, I had my whole stereo system shut off so I can, um, concentrate and out of nowhere about soon as that blood left my finger he loves death metal music and that's exactly what played soon as i put that blood on that sigil death metal played and i look up and there is a huge figure standing in that corner exactly where that stereo system was so as soon as you looking up in the dark you can't see nothing besides candlelight it catches you off guard So it's possible you can see them like right in front of you, but it's more without being in the room. It's more like a subconscious type ordeal, like how you close your eyes, you can see those visions. It's like that pretty much. Wow.
1: All right. So how long did you see that figure for and did anything else happen during that experience?
2: For the being in the room, it was maybe for about five seconds because I just sat there and watched it. As soon as I got up, it vanished. So it wasn't too long. It was only about five seconds seeing them. But that, that five seconds makes you, like, stunned for a minute.
1: And, Annie, I just want to finish up with asking you about your thoughts on Ouija boards. So obviously, you had your experience of one as a young child and you believe that that was a doorway into whatever, you know, kind of let itself into your life and so on. But I'm just curious, what do you have any advice for people wanting to use them or what's your sort of thoughts on them now?
3: My Understanding with the Ouija board is that it's like any other tool that um when you go to use it, you are directing your thoughts uh in that direction and opening yourself up to contact. And not all the time, but as these beings seem to want to come interact, um, that they are looking for openings in general. Uh, The Ouija board seems to be a popular one because it's a shared tool with, you know, you can do it with a lot of people. It's fun. But um, I don't think it's so much what you do is just that you're doing it. It's important to be extremely respectful. I lucked out in that the research that my mentor and I did together. About 150 people in the world right now are... Working with Zozo in terms of, in the sense that a demon would work with any entity, um, and that's what he's using the tool for. It's for two things. He's looking for people that he want that he might want to work with, and he's looking to pick up not just energy from people's fear, but energy from the notoriety that he gains from it by being, you know, the Ouija demon. Um, to get more attention so that more people get on and you can meet even more people. Um, so that's something to be aware of. I lucked out that that was the case and that I was not subject to these one of these extremely malignant hauntings that you hear about where people are getting scratched and bruised and screamed at and they're hurting themselves or whatever else. But... That was pure dumb luck. And uh, if that had not been the case, I very much would have been in danger. And, um, you know, kids can't really be expected to just have a good handle on these things. Their uh, their prefrontal cortex is still developing their kids. So I would say anything that's for this is not a toy. And parents shouldn't necessarily forbid it But they should get informed about it and they should be on the scene working with the kids to keep them safe. You know, it's kind of a silly analogy, but in some ways it's just kind of like the Internet. It's not inherently evil, but um, sometimes dangerous things do happen on there. And so you just want to have a wiser person on hand for guidance so that people can enjoy it without getting hurt
1: yeah definitely agree well said i'd like to thank you all again sean annie and cory for coming on taking the time teaching me but also uh giving something to the listeners as well which is the whole purpose obviously uh about demons and obviously you know a bit of your sort of experiences and so on as well it uh, it really does mean the world. I think it's so fascinating to learn about these sort of, you know, very sort of taboo topics and so on and hearing from people who currently are working very closely in this kind of field. It's uh, really exciting. And I know, uh, Corey, you have some things to plug as well uh, because you are currently working within this industry.
2: First off, um, my Instagram, which is spiritualist underscore demonologist. My Twitter, I just started my Twitter, which is capital s demonologist
1: yeah great definitely go check out Corey's stuff i found him on instagram and he offers a bunch of different services which are very reasonably priced so i'd go check him out once again thank you all so much i thoroughly enjoyed this and i'm glad that we all got together and were able to have this dialogue about demons and demonology
2: absolutely and thank you for having me on the show i appreciate it and you're very welcome and thank you for having me on as well
1: well there you go finally got to speak with demonologists about demons I got a lot out of this episode. Please, if you got something out of it as well, let me know. Uh, As always, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy it, share it with people too. That really does help if um, you have friends or family or whoever, randoms in the street who look like they enjoy the paranormal, let them know about the podcast. It really helps. Word of mouth is uh, definitely key. As I said as well, if you want bonus content, jump onto the Patreon. You're definitely going to want to do that this time to hear Corey's in full description of the time that he was possessed by a demon. And most importantly, it helps support the podcast. So thank you so much, guys. I'm going to catch you in another podcast episode real soon. Thanks. Bye.
4: Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.
3: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it
4: comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance.